from the Hill Country in Texas, broadcasting worldwide, this is OneRadio.com. Well, a very pleasant good morning to you. This is Patrick Timpone. It's September 5, 2023. We're live here on this Tuesday morning, 9 o'clock, uh, 10 o'clock Central Time, excuse me. And uh, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. After our first guest, who you'll meet in a moment, he's in the green room, is uh, going to be another session of our brand, which is It Takes a Long Time to Get Young. We're into staying young for as long as possible. Might as well have some fun while we're here. And uh, we're going to talk about the, the five main reasons that I have discovered, oh, so over the last 15 years maybe, uh, of why humans age as advertised. So we're going to do that. That'll be fun. So we'll do it after our first guest. And then tomorrow, Fred Dashevsky, and he's here on the first uh, Wednesday of every month, talks about the monetary system with a show called The Real World of Money, also a, a um, title of my first screenplay, The Real World of Money, where a president goes in and takes over the Federal Reserve Bank, uh, sends in the army, which is kind of a cool thing, and creates his own currency out of treasury and doesn't have debt anymore. But that's another story. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, the financial school. So we came across a, a couple of gentlemen, and they, the Quack Brothers, K-W-A-K, K, excuse me, uh, from Korea, and really cool stuff. I mean, they talk about real estate and entrepreneurship, and they've written uh, several books we'll tell you about. And one of the Quack Brothers is here, Daniel Quack, and uh, he is in Chicago Mr. Quack, uh, Daniel, good morning. Nice to see you. You look great. Nice to see hey, you. Hey, Patrick. Yeah. How are you? Good. Very good. So, so you know, y'all? Well, I could use a little bit more sleep, but I think that's all of yeah, us. Yeah, well, you know, you uh, you and your brother were doing some kind of a music DJ thing years ago, and and you used a little bit of seed money to get you started in real estate. Dad, tell us about that. Yeah, so uh, my brother and I always had a bit of an entrepreneurial bone, in, you know, to, to us. In fact, um, you know, my brother was was the first entrepreneur in our family, and uh -huh. um, you know, my my plan was to be a school teacher and coach basketball and be a youth pastor on the weekends. And then my brother started this DJ company, and he had a couple of events that di didn't necessarily go his way, and, um, and you know, so I, I was working a tutoring job at the time, so I kind of gave what I had to kind of help him out and you know and I got a little bit more involved right and it turns out I actually really like it and so we ran the DJ business for a little bit and realized man this is we're trading our time for money here you know it's like we're business owners but we're we're we kind of bought it we kind of built a job for ourselves you know I mean we wake up at 6 a.m and you know wouldn't be back until one and we're moving heavy equipment heavy gear all the time and so it's like there's got to be an easier way to do this right <laughs> and we were young enough to where we go okay it's actually appealing for us to work smart and not hard because if we can figure this out now we well we've got 50 60 years ahead of us to enjoy life mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. uh we, that's when we started learning about real estate and that idea of concept of passive income and financial freedom and uh we, you know we bought a couple courses and you know hired a coach and kind of things like that it took us years to kind of figure things out because you know our coach wasn't the greatest right <laughs> uh but you know we figured it out you know it, it took us years but we did it and so huh. uh you know we didn't start off with much right our our dad's was and still is a pastor so we didn't have no network we didn't have 
you know, a small loan of a million dollars, as they say, to kind of help us go on and whatnot. And so, but yeah, we, we kind of figured things out on our own. We learned and here we are. Is that first uh, hit of money, dollars to buy your first thing, uh, is that, how did you crack that nut? Most people find themselves in a little bit of a quandary. I don't have the, the leverage or enough credit and, you know, I don't have enough income to pay the, you know, that kind of thing. How did you guys do that? Yeah, so we uh, raised the capital. So, you know, ah. my my one of my mentors and one of my friends challenged me. and was like, well, you need money to buy real estate. We know that, right? We need money to buy real estate. Even if you're buying something, no money down, which we have done, by the way, in the past, you know, you still need closing costs covered. You still need your legal fees covered. You still need commissions covered. You, mm -hmm. st you still need all these things covered. Um, and so, you know, my, my friend was like, who says that money has to be yours, right? why not find a really good deal and find someone who's willing to invest the money and needs their money invested in something and and split the profit right you bring in the sweat equity as they say you bring you put in the time the work and the knowledge and the network and the other person puts in the money and you guys split the deal and said so that's a great idea and so we ended up following that strategy and we ended up with 87 apartments wow. uh, by the time I was 23 years old 87 apartments really so like on the first one you would still borrow the money and use the friend's money or the investor's money for down payment you could do it either way you, would you ever just pay cash if you somebody had the cash too would you do that sure uh i mean that's a route right but mm -hmm. you know i think one of the beautiful things about real estate is that you could leverage um the money for the sake of return i mean imagine imagine if we could do that with the stock market right yeah. where it's like the stock market was predictable every single year like real estate is right especially the cash flow aspect of things uh, and we were able to borrow money from bank to put in the stock market you know, I mean, the stock market would go nuts, right? It'd go haywire, right? Like every, every stock would triple or quadruple in value because all of a sudden people are, people are able to leverage money to buy into it. And so you could, right? But, you know, I do think that you could maximize the benefit you get from investing in real estate by leveraging your money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we talk about uh, you can kind of count on the returns, how did it work? Uh, you're probably not old enough, but... You know, in the 86, I was in Texas and we went through a big thing with the, with the oil and people were selling real estate. We rented a hundred acres for like four, $4,000 a month or something and did a farm. You know, every, nobody wanted to do, they didn't know what to do with this real estate in 86, 87 in Texas. And then you had the, the dot-com thing and then, then the great uh, recession of 80, what was that, um, 2008 and Lehman moment. If you started early on, uh, Daniel, would would you be okay still holding that same real estate today? I guess that's what I'm asking. So we had this place in '85 before the three big ones. Would you? Yeah. Uh, how do you know where you'd be now? I mean, I don't. I don't quite understand it. How it could be that certain of a thing, real estate. Yeah. So one of the things I tell people all the time is like the, the beauties about investing in real estate is that even if it's a bad deal today, if you wait 10, 15 years, it's not a bad deal anymore. <laughs> is that right? Just because real estate tends to do this, right? It tends to it tends to do this thing called hedge inflation, right? And, you know, I've got a, a friend of mine, um, Jason Hartman's a great real estate economist who says that many of times real estate doesn't go up, but it does inflate. 
Uh, and over the course of 20, 30 years, we actually tend to see both of those things happen. Now, the beautiful thing about it is if you're smart and you work with someone that knows what they're doing, not only will it inflate and go up over a course of period of time, because that's what money does anyways, regardless of what currency you have, by the way, right? I don't care if you use crypto. I don't care if you use uh, the dollar. I don't care if you use gold, right? It's there, You're going to see inflation of some sort, right? Because for one, the either the, the currency itself will increase in value, right? Or increase in quantity, quantity. right? Yeah. Or... Or the people using it will increase in quantity. And last time I checked, people love reproducing, right? It's like, <laughs> it's one of people's amazing pastimes, right? We all enjoy it, you know? Uh, as long as the work of Marvin Gaye is still around, people will always, always be reproducing, right? Uh, but the beautiful thing about real estate is that not only does it hedge inflation, it goes up over a period of time, but if you know what you're doing, uh, you actually cash flow and receive multiple benefits during that time period, right? Like I, I tell people all the time, here's the best way to put it. If I went to the bank and I asked for $100,000 to invest in stock, they're going to laugh at me. If I asked for $100,000 to invest in crypto, they're going to laugh at me. Mm -hmm. If I asked for $100,000 to invest in bonds, they're going to say no and then laugh at me. If I asked for $100,000 to buy a cash flowing piece of real estate, they will, they will literally elbow each other to try to get to me. Wow. Right? Like that's, that's all you need to know, in my opinion, about, about why I invest in real estate. Cash flowing piece of real estate would be, say, four unit, duplex, uh, fourplex or something, and whatever the payment is, the payment, the rent you get from that, out is is higher than the payments. Would that is that a fair definition? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. So if if you know how to what I call underwriting the deal, if you know how to do that well, and you know how to analyze, you know, the financials and whatnot. Absolutely. You know, your your rent should outweigh any repairs, any maintenance, any, you know, mortgage payment that you have to make to the bank. Um, and the smart ones will have something left over at the end. Right. They'll usually have about 10 to 15 percent. Now, granted, is that going to be the case every year? No, because, you know, you're going to have things break down. You're going to replace the roof here and there. Right. But you also have years where, you know, you don't have a lot of that and you get, actually get to enjoy a little bit more money than you would anticipate or expect. Um, but correct, that's that's exactly right, Patrick. So um, rents, uh, I, like I live about an hour outside of Austin, Daniel, and rents are just always kind of just creeping up because Austin's a hot city and everybody wants to live there, you know, Facebook and Elon Musk and everybody. Um, but is that is that a general um, a paradigm we see across the country? Rents also inflate year after year? Yeah, so I, I think a lot of people make the assumption that rent, something like rent, is something that's always going to be going higher and higher and higher and higher. And it might from a 30-year standpoint, but at the end of the day, it's all supply and demand. If, if you have more renters than you have units, then the rent will increase. So, for example, in places such as California, Illinois, New York, where regulations are extremely strict, it's very difficult to put new rental units out on the market because of the, the leadership typically in those type of states, right? They make it much more difficult for, for, for guys like me to come in and build some really high quality living situations for people, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, when, when you have such a high density, density population, right? And again, generally speaking, nationally, populations tend to go up. 
Uh, but when you have the same number of units, well, of course the rent's going to go up because it's not, it has nothing to do with inflation. It has everything to do with supply and demand. You know, like there's just there's just more people and less places to live, right? Now that being said, it'll be really interesting to see places like Southern California, places like Chicago, places like New York, where people are leaving. Yes, right. People are leaving and they're moving to places like Austin and Tennessee and Florida and Arizona. Mm-hmm. So you know, do I think that rents are going to continue to go up? in those areas i'm not sure right i'm actually not sure at all because well you can you can try to raise the rent all you want but if the people aren't there to actually pay it and if there's the quantity and the quality is not there well then you're not going to get the money and eventually the market's going to go down mm-hmm. yeah when we hear a lot of the gurus the you know the buffets in the world and, and these people of the world they've often said over many years that to really build uh, long-term wealth, uh, uh, real estate is where it's at. Is, is that true? Is that true? Yeah, I would I would agree with that. So I, I, you know, when I was first starting out in this world at you know nineteen, twenty, twenty-one years old, I mean, I've read every book you could imagine. I Did bought you? every course. I talked to every <laughs> single person that was twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years ahead of me, and I just asked them like, hey, if you were my age, like, what's the industry that you would just get really good at? Like, whether it's stocks bonds i mean even crypto at the time i asked about mm-hmm. real estate um I mean, just about anything you can imagine right like should i get into futures should i get into forex trading should i get into whatever and every single person said you know i've had so many friends over the years that have done many many different things but it seems that my buddies who are in real estate tend to do the best and i said great like that's that's <laughs> what i gotta get into then <laughs> it's so interesting what you said about read every book and course and i could tell you the kind of guy that does that. I have a good friend of mine I've known forever and he just looks at money and it, you know, it reproduces, you know, those kind of guys, he just looks at it and it makes, makes more money. And I went to his house the first time and he's got an entire room filled with all these books. And he was showing me and all these books are all books on how to make money and finance and real estate. And I said, I said, how, how, I mean, what could, how many ideas could be out there that you could really learn from this? You know, he said, well, if you just get one good idea from one book, then it's worth it. And I just keep reading. Isn't that interesting he said that? And I get, to, I get the sense you did the same thing. You just, everything you get your hands on, on real estate, you read. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but I, I tell people all the time, it's like, in order for you to have good ideas, you have to have the information to produce those good ideas. Yeah, right. Like yes. ideas don't come about without knowledge and 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 and, and actual information. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. So like I, I always tell people it's like the execution of an idea, it's it's a lot like you know, it's a lot like the 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 statue of David, right? So I I love using that example, right? So there was obviously a great artist and a sculptor, as we all know, Michelangelo, who created the statue of David. And somebody asked him, like, how did you do it? How did you create such a masterpiece? And he says, I just took a big, you know, thing of, of concrete or marble and I just carved away at everything that wasn't David. And I tell people the execution of an idea that produces income for yourself or produces value for other people is very much the same thing, right? You take this giant piece of concrete, right? This giant piece of marble. But, you know, in order for you to build that slab as big as possible, you have to read, you have to absorb information, right? But as you continue to learn more and more and more and more, right? You carve away at everything that isn't your masterpiece, Right? You carve away at everything that isn't your idea. So you take your knowledge and you convert it to what I call a strategy. Right? 
So really step one is you learn as much as you can through all the books, right? Because I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, out of everything that I've read, listened to, heard, like I probably used 5% of it yes. for what I'm doing right now. But I also realized that 95% of it is stored away in case I need something else, mm-hmm. right? And so the more you read, the more you learn, the more things you have at your disposal and your arsenal to tackle on anything that you want. So step one is gather as much knowledge as you can. Step two is convert that knowledge into a strategy. It's actually about doing less instead of doing more, right? And then from then on, you execute the strategy and there you go, right? But I, a lot of people, but I say all that, it seems simple, but it's 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 not because most people don't get it. Um, but most people don't even start with step one, right? Like the average American reads, I think, 0.9 books a year. Really? Right? Like the average American, hmm. you know, like it's unbelievable. And I think there's a statistic where it's like, you know, mo- I think I think it was something along the lines of like 75%. Either way, it's a majority, like a high majority of Americans actually don't read a book. They don't even open a book past the age of 22, 23, like after they're done with college, right? And so it's like, well, there you go, right? Like your result, your life isn't changing because your process isn't changing, right? If you want to change the answer, you have to change the equation. And you're not going to do that. Like most people are like, oh, well, I should be making $200,000 a year. I should be making $300,000 a year. My question is why? Like why? What have you done? What have you improved? What have you changed about your life, right? And because most people don't want to face the music, they point the finger at other people. Yeah. Oh, my boss is this. It's so political. I don't have the right last name. It's like, look, folks, I came (laughs) to this country with nothing. We didn't even speak the language. Wow. We, we, you know what I mean? And because we couldn't even speak the language, we, we didn't get access to government aid. We didn't get access to, you know, social security. We didn't get access to food stamps and all this stuff, right? Like people always like victimize themselves. They're like, oh, my life, it's so hard. And I asked them, hey, do you speak English? Yes. Great. You have. Have a, you have a you have a more head start. You have more of an advantage than I had, than my family had when we first got here, mm. right? Congratulations, yeah. right? <laughs> you know, uh, and he, and here I am, right? But again, that most people don't even do step one, right? Like I and you know, I love what Charlie Monger says, right? It's like, you know, it's like we always get what we deserve. We do, don't we? We do. Yeah. But what was it with your mom and dad growing up, and that they instilled this in in you? How did what? What kind of life did they present to you as a mom and dad? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't actually, I've never heard of that question before. Um, but uh, my, my mom and dad did a very good job at giving me the gift of hard work. So, I mean, we grew up really poor, right? So, I mean, like when we first came to this country, like we lived in one of those studio apartments where you like you turn the light on and the cockroaches go to the outsides of the room, <laughs> right? Like that was that was our living situation. Wow. And it's crazy to think about because like my brother and I didn't even have a bed. We actually slept on the floor with like sleeping bags and whatever because, you know, we couldn't afford it, you know? Um, yeah, which is like crazy to think about. So like I, I it was weird because my one of the things that I've always saw my mom and my dad do, they never they never communicated the lessons to us. They showed it. Uh. So my, my, my parents were in the, you know, they came to the United States because they received the calling from God to, you know, take over a church here. And, you know, what that taught me is like, wow, like my parents, they're willing to move to the other side of the world to a place where they don't know the language. They don't have any friends or any family there. And if anything, they're, they're leaving all their friends and family all because God told them to. Yes. And so 
like from a very early age that showed me and that was demonstrated to me how important it is to have a purpose in life and how important it is to be mission driven because that mission is what had my parents do all of that right and and live a really hard life you know and leave a life of comfort and you know one thing i learned very early on is that someone who's truly mission driven and truly purpose driven they're oftentimes going to throw comfort and caution to the wind and in this modern american society we strive for a life of comfort like that's why we get good grades so we can go to a good school so we can get a good degree so that we can find a great job so that we can make a good living and so we can live a life of comfort right that's what we that's what we all crave but as i've learned the apex of life is the opposite of that it's actually to live a life of discomfort because when you're living for something that's greater than your, yourself you don't think about yourself as often mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and to to do the work and to do what you need to do is not the most comfortable thing to do you know what i mean like i'm a screenwriter and uh, uh sometimes the last thing i want to do is write it right because it'd be easier to go watch a movie but you know you got to write otherwise you're not going to be a screenwriter you know so you know so that discomfort but once you move through it and it's just a mind thing right it's just okay once you move through it, well, then, yeah, you're, it, then you're there. And I'll tell you, the, the people who are like that, the people who are purpose-driven, they're the happiest people in the yeah, world. That's Because you're the happiest like doing the what happiest you want to do, right, Dan? You're, you're the happiest. Yeah the, most, yeah, the most miserable people I've met in my life are the ones who sold their company for eight, uh, $900 million. Really? And they, they own a couple of yachts and a bunch of private planes. And they're young. They have women around them constantly. They play golf every day. Like, I tell you, those are the most... Some of those guys are the most miserable ones I've met. <laughs> that's funny. That's, and I know a lot of them. You know a lot of them, huh? Yeah, that, that's yeah. funny. This is Patrick Chimpone. We're with Daniel Quack, KWAK, thequackbrothers.com. Before we move on, tell folks a little bit about your website and the work that you do. Are you still doing um, podcasts and you do um, mm -hmm. um, seminars and books, all kinds of stuff? Tell, tell them what you're doing. I don't, what you what do you offer? Yeah, so we, uh, we've got a podcast. It's called The First Deal Experience. You can find it on Spotify. So it's pretty much a platform where I bring on some of my favorite entrepreneurs and real estate investors. And I just ask them to come share their first story, mm -hmm. you know, their first deal, the how first they deal. do it, how they yeah. feel. And, uh, you know, I really, I just ask them to share cool stories about their journey. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. uh, com. you know, it's my brother, my brother, Sam and I, and uh, we've got a, you know, if you're interested in learning how to invest in real estate, we've got a bunch of free stuff on there. So we got free courses, free calculators, free, and then, you know, an analysis sheet, right? So, I mean, we, we give a lot of stuff away for free. So if people want to check that out, they're more than welcome to go there. Mm -hmm. And do you spend, uh, how do you divide your time between the actual investing stuff and all the, your work as the Quack Brothers, just whatever works for you? Yeah, so my, I have one job. If you if you look at every person that's successful, they really have one job. They really do one thing in just different contexts throughout the week, right? So my one job, right, is to help people be the best version of themselves and put them in positions to succeed. Oh. That's my one job. Wow. That is prevalent, that is used in different settings, in different companies and different missions and purposes. Um, but I know when I wake up every single morning whether it's looking at a $12 million apartment complex that we want to acquire or 
focusing on scaling our next offer or focus on, you know, achieving the next goal in our revenue. I know my job at the end of the day is, is those two things is help people be the best version of themselves while putting them in the best positions to succeed. Hmm. And that's going to be the case in whatever I do. And how much, Baron, do you think that has on your success from a spiritual standpoint? I mean, one of the great spiritual laws that I believe in is that everything that we do, we want to do for everyone, not just ourselves. Yeah. So I'd say where that comes in play for me is I'm simply a man that gives away what he receives every day. Wow. Right? So hmm. for me, I receive from God every single day. I receive love. I receive identity. I receive awareness and grace and all these different things. And it's impossible. It's impossible to truly help someone be the best version of themselves and putting them in a position to succeed unless you care unless you love that person. Mm -hmm. And we live in a world where people give away what they themselves don't have. So because they don't receive it every day, they give their version of it, which is incomplete and it's false and it's distorted and it's not pure, right? Which is why we have broken relationships, broken marriages, people who hate their jobs, people who hate their boss, Right. Like people don't ever leave jobs. They leave managers. They leave people. Hmm. Right. Like that's that's just the reality of every single situation. So I do my best to simply be a man that just gives away what he receives every single day. And oh. so if I focus on what I receive, I know giving it away will just come naturally. Wow, that's that's really beautiful. Well, well said. Let's talk a little meat and potatoes stuff. So somewhere, I think I read on your site where you were kind of looking at the idea of getting rid of your mortgage early, five to seven years or something like that. And I hung out with a fellow dear friend of mine, and he used to talk about uh, use debt as a blessing. He's a monetary history guy, and and you know, and so I'd like to understand how that could be beneficial. I mean, if somebody's going to give you. 30-year money at 4%. Why, why would you want to pay that off? Why not just use that money, I don't know, to buy crypto or to buy gold or silver or artwork or some other, you know, something that could increase in value and just let the bank carry that. I, I don't see an advantage of paying off the mortgage. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you an analogy that I think is really, really good. Okay. So um, let's say you're trying to lose weight. Okay. Right. Let's say you weigh 300 pounds, you're obese, and you're trying to lose weight. Right. The way that most Americans think about money is very similar to losing weight. Right. They think, well, I got to get in the gym and I got to work out every single day. And that's true. However, it doesn't matter if you're working out every single day, if you're eating an entire cake every single night. Right. right? Like that, that has to stop. And that's the same thing with the way Americans see money. Right. It's that, most of us don't realize that the money that we lose is through the interest of the loans that we pay. The money we lose. Okay. A lot of interest over 30 years. A lot of interest. Correct. Right? There's a reason why banking institutions are the wealthiest <laughs> entities in the whole wide world. Well, that's true. Right? It's not because, and it's because the most common product that they issue out is the 30-year mortgage. Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That is the by far the bank's most profitable product that they offer to the Americans. Most Americans think in 30-day cycles. Hey, I can afford this because I can afford the payment. Yes. Right? But what most Americans don't realize, again, this is like trying to lose weight, right? What, what you have to do to lose weight, if you have a good trainer, they're going to say, hey, continue your workout. Just stop eating the dang cake every night, right? Like you're consuming <laughs> 2,000 2, calories worth of sugar and processed, you know, like refined. Like we should stop doing that if you want, right? You do that, then, you know, but most Americans don't think about that. We think about just making more money. Yes. Right. Which is why we're like, well, why don't I just invest the money? Well, you can invest it all you want, but unless you fix the original problem, like it's not going to help you. Right. Like you can go to the gym and work out an extra hour. You can you can increase the intensity of your cardio session by 20, 30 percent, whatever. But unless you stop eating like crap, then you're not going to you're not going to get a whole lot of progress. Right. Mm -hmm. So. You know, one of the things that people don't realize is when they get a 30 year mortgage, let's say it's, you know, so let, like, let's do some numbers here, right? So I got okay. a mortgage calculator in front of me, All right. right? The 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 average cost, the median home price in America is around 370,000, right? 365,000, let's just say 350, just to be conservative, okay. right? The, let's say that you put 20% down, okay? The, the interest rate today is around six and a half percent, right? And that's being generous, by the way, it's actually, for a traditional 30-year fixed, right? You're talking closer to seven and a half. Really? It's going up Let's that much. Let's do a 30-year mortgage, right? Yeah. So most Americans will see and they're like, hey, I can afford the $1,769.79 pay- monthly payment that I'm making. I can afford that, mm-hmm. right? That's $350,000 house, right? So I, I can totally afford putting that. 70, well, people, putting 70000 down? Putting seventy thousand dollars, so they're putting twenty thousand yes. dollars down, or it's under. They're putting twenty percent down, right. right? Right. So most Americans will see that, like, hey, I can afford that. I can afford that monthly payment. What they don't know is, by the end of the thirty years, they've actually paid three hundred and fifty-seven thousand dollars in interest. Yes. So they've actually paid more in interest than the value of the home. Think about that. That's and by the way, if you actually look at the principal and interest chart. You actually pay a major, a very high majority of that three hundred fifty-seven thousand dollars in the first ten years. Huh. interesting. So you're paying close to about two two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of interest the first ten to fifteen years of you owning your home. So if we can stop that bleeding, we can add that wealth back into the middle class. Because imagine if you went to every single individual at 60, 65, 70 years old. And you say, hey, you're having trouble retiring. Would an extra two hundred fifty thousand? Would an extra three hundred fifty-seven thousand dollars help you out? I guarantee you, ninety percent of Americans would say yes. Mm-hmm. That it would be a game changer. But aren't we paying back at dollars that are worth a lot less? And in this environment of, you know, money printing and inflation, which we don't see any way that's going to stop anytime soon. Do you? You can tell me if you do, but. Aren't we paying them back with dollars that are worth maybe half as much 20 years from now? So who cares? Yeah. Well, the, well, the way that we teach it yeah. is you actually don't use your real dollar, your physical dollars to pay off the mortgage. So we teach our clients to use what's called a home equity line of credit. Wow. So you're using the equity that you have in your home and you're using it. Right now, that equity that people have in their home, it's useless. Yes. You can't use it to invest it anyways. Right. You're not putting that money into the stock market or you're not using it to buy a piece of cash flowing real estate like every American should be doing. Right. You know, you're not doing that. So what we teach our clients to do is we teach a strategy. 
right? So our company is called Accelerated Banking. We help people accelerate the banking process, right? And help them get out of debt. So we teach them, we teach them to acquire a line of credit, usually a HELOC, and we teach them to use the equity, get the HELOC, and then use the HELOC to reduce what's called your average daily balance on your mortgage, which is what's used to then generate the interest, right? So what I would actually encourage you to do, because hmm. my, my brother is actually the one who created the video. So we had a video, we created this business off of a viral video, it got three and a half million views on YouTube. Wow. And uh, it's literally called how to pay off your mortgage in five to seven years. And we put that video out five years ago. And I think it got 3.6 million views. And my brother actually made the video. I think let's let's do a little sneak peek so that people come back. This is good marketing okay. for you. Okay. We're going to have my brother on in the next episode. And uh, people are going to tune in, right? So now we're going to leave people with a cliffhanger. Okay. Right? And so, and so people have to tune into the next episode where, where my brother can actually explain the strategy. Okay. So... Um, Like I live out here outside of Austin, I got a whole bunch of equity. So there's actually a way, we won't give it all away because you're going to do it in the video, but there's actually a way to use that equity to pay my mortgage. That kind of idea? You, wow. Yes. You can do that. And I'm going to learn yeah. how to do that with how to pay off your mortgage in five to seven years on YouTube? Yeah, you could, you could watch the video and okay. we actually have a company that helps people do it. Oh, cool. Man, and what's the name of that company? Accelerated Banking. Accelerated Accelerated banking. Yeah. So, so we actually uh, accelerated banking. It's a, it's one of the subsidiaries of the of the Quack Brothers organization. Mm -hmm. And so we actually not only teach the strategy, but we provide the tools and also the best banks to do this with. I see. Here's and an we email. give it all away. Yeah. We and we we help our clients. And so our I mean, most of our clients are saving fifty, sixty thousand dollars in interest, and they're actually paying off their their mortgage in a third of the time that they would have otherwise had to pay. And then the advantage, once you pay off your mortgage, so that, does that give you more leverage than Daniel to actually borrow more money? As, as, well, not only borrow more money, well. but let's, let's think of it like this. So let's okay. go back to the example, right? Mm -hmm. So that monthly payment of $1,700, right? right? So specifically 1769 So let's just round up to $1,800, mm -hmm. right? If you save, so if, if you get rid of that liability, which your home is, by the way, your home is a liability. It's not producing any income for you, right? So if you take that $1,800, you multiply it by 12, that's $21,600, right? So if you get rid of that liability and you just save even just two years, two years, you're going to get $43,200. If you take that $43,200 and you leverage it and you buy a piece of real estate, right? If you buy a piece of real estate, you're, you're able to buy, let's say you leverage it on a 20% basis, right? You put, you go to the bank, you put 20% down and you acquire a piece of real estate, right? You do that, you're able to buy a $216,000 property, okay? So you so then you can go out and buy a four unit. You can buy a four unit building with that $216,000, which you got from the bank because you had $43,600, which you got by saving for two years because you now don't have a mortgage, right? So just two years, right? Like, so, right, so so you see how we're backtracking, right? So so that two hundred sixteen thousand dollars, you buy a four unit, which is a pretty decent four unit, right? You're paying about you know fifty fifty five thousand dollars per unit, and if that four unit's cash flowing two hundred fifty dollars per unit for you, well, not only are you freed up from the liability of a mortgage, so now you have an extra eighteen hundred dollars a month, but you also generate an extra thousand dollars a month in cash flow. So now you have two, you have you now almost have three thousand dollars a month. An income that you didn't have 
three years ago because you got rid of the mortgage because you used our strategy. And then you listened to what we had to tell you to buy a piece of cash flowing real estate, right? So now you have an extra $36,000 a year in income that you didn't have before. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty, that's, and I think it's really uh, important that someone and others who want to do this is to think about what you're doing a lot. I suspect you, you think about it a lot. You focus on this throughout the day, and you you keep this in your consciousness, don't you? I can tell. It's yeah, it's right yeah, there. It's like it's, it's like it's, 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 right it's there. the exact reason why I do these shows, yeah. right? Like, I mean, if, if I'm like I'm the guy, I'm I've, my wife and I were very private people. Like, yeah. the last thing I want to do is like be on a show or be on a podcast or be on on stage, right? Like, that's the last thing I want to do. I just want to be on a golf course with my wife. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> Like, I'm just being honest, right? Like, I, I, that's much what I'd rather do. Like, I don't want to come in the office every morning at 7.30 a.m. and be here till 8, right? Like, I don't want to do that. But it's because these things that I'm talking to you about right now, we don't teach this stuff in school, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Like, it should be taught in school. I think we should start teaching this stuff ever since these kids are six, seven years old. We yeah. should start teaching them about financial literacy and how to make it in this world. Yes, sir. And how to produce value for other people, how to, how to create cash flow systems so that we're not having to work 40 hours a week or 50 hours a week. And hopefully, we'll have enough to retire at the end of 40 years, although that's not the case for 78% of Americans, right? But that, you know, for me, again, it's the same reason why, why I'm on this show is the exact same reason why my parents moved from Korea to the, to the Chicago is because we have a purpose. We have a, we have a mission in life that's been given to us by God yes. to help his other kids. Like I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm 29 today. I, I made enough money to retire when I was 23, right? Like I could have lived off the real estate, you know. Like I had 87 apartments. I could have lived off that income for the rest of my life, and and have enough to be comfortable, right? So I mean, like yeah, I could I could be on a golf course right now with my wife and just play golf every day, go to Disneyland, do whatever I want. But this mission is much bigger than myself. I understand. No, I, I really do. I get that. I understand what you're saying. Uh, this is from uh, Cleo. Is your guest investing in apartments and such just in the Chicago area, or does he do it all over the country? Thanks for having him on. It's a good question. Yeah, like, what are you guys up to? Do you look around, or how do, how do you do that? Yeah, I look around. So I've done deals all around the country. Uh, you know, I've, I've done most of my deals here in, in Illinois, my home state, but I have done deals in other places in other states. Um, I mean, I've done states, I've done deals in states like Indiana, Virginia, Florida, Tennessee, and so. Yeah. So, how much do you look at, or concern, or even think about all the upper echelon crazy stuff in the world of the Fed, interest rates, uh, uh, money printing, inflation, blah blah. How do you how do you do your life without having that affect you? You just learn how to play with the game. Yeah, uh, I, I realized a long time ago that God oversees a lot of this stuff. Right? Yeah, I understand. Um, no, I he, at the end of the day, he is in control. And I think if we realize and when we realize how short this life is, like, you know, for me as a follower of Christ, like I genuinely believe that after this life, like I'm, I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. I get it. Yeah, I you understand. Know, I believe that. And so, you know, the Bible says in James that our life is but a mist. It's here today and gone tomorrow very, very quickly compared to eternity. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, this this world is a very evil place, right? That's in fact that's why Jesus says, right, be in the world but not of this world. So I understand that I am in this world but not of this world. But one day, you know, I will I will spend eternity with with my Lord and Savior. Um, and so they can have their fun. You know, like <laughs> do there's what a you lot of evil do. going around that a lot of people don't know about yeah. that I have that I know about. Um, they can have their fun for now, but a time will come where they will they will be judged. Right, and I will spend eternity in heaven with my with my Savior. I understand. Yeah. So you don't you don't uh, allow what the chairman says or the interest rates and and the the alleged inflation rate and all that uh, affect you so much of what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. You just kind of go with your internal gut and trust God and. Everything's going to be. Oh yeah, so I I pay attention to it, sure. right? Because I'm, I'm, you know, I, I try to be a diligent investor as much as I can. I read up on it. I make sure I stay updated. Um, but yeah, I mean, my my strategies and the way I operate my business is it's just simply giving away what I receive. Mm-hmm. Like there's been times where God has genuinely told me, "Hey, don't do that," and I I didn't. You can and hear it. Yeah. Two years later, I'm like, "Wow, I'm glad I didn't do that." <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. So your books are. Tell, tell folks that you have three books, right? Three books. Yeah. So uh, there's two that I've written, one that my brother wrote. So uh, there's one t- titled Break Free from Your Mortgage. The other uh, two are called Zero to 75 Units in One Year. So one's the short version that I wrote in 2019. And then the, the most recent one that got completed in 2021 which is the, the the what I call the real seventy the zero to seventy five units in one year. So if, actually, you can get a free copy. I give away. I give. A, I try to give a lot of my stuff away for free. Oh, cool. Uh, you know, so if you go to zero to seventy five units dot com, so the number zero t o unit seventy five, the number seven five unit dot com with an s, uh, you can actually just put in your mailing address. And the only thing I ask is you pay for the shipping, which is I think it's like five dollars, and the book is free. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. On a little personal level, maybe give me some ideas. I've been writing screenplays, and I want to move into films and making films, Daniel. And Hollywood, as you know, they're just, oh, they're imploding. So I don't even know if they're going to be around in five years, you know. Um, could well, Can you give me some ideas on some creative ways that I could look at a, a financing a film? Just off the top of your head. You know, if you wanted to do that, how would you think about that? Yeah, it's really hard uh, to finance a film unless you have a track record, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I've got a couple buddies of mine who who've been very successful in in the film writing, the film industry, really? right? And uh, they don't have any trouble raising money for it today. But you know, they've they've shown, they've proven that their films in the past generate views, right? I mean, I've got buddies who they literally put out a film and it's gotten hundreds and hundreds of millions of views, if not billions. Um, documentaries, different things of that nature, you know. Um, but like, we live in such a weird time, right? Because now you have YouTubers that don't spend any money and they're generating so much I viewership. Know. I've seen some you of know? these people, yeah. And so I, I'd say start there. Start there where, you know, you could generate as much views as you can, as much value you can for your viewers without putting in a whole lot of money. I mean, that was us when we first started our YouTube mm-hmm. channel, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so today we've got over 340,000 subscribers on YouTube. Um, but yet we, when we first started, I mean, we recorded literally off of our phones. <laughs> uh, we had an old camera and, you know, we were doing whatever we could 
at no cost to us to generate our audience to create a community. And so we did that. And I'd say probably when we had 70,000 subscribers and our YouTube channel was actually making money, like that's when we actually started using nicer cameras. We hired someone, right? Like, but it took steps for us to get there. And it's actually better if you do it that way, because then you're not spending a whole lot of money on something that you don't know if it's going to work or not. Yeah. It's an right? organic. Because like by the time we started putting money in our YouTube channel, like we already had a proven audience. We had proven things that worked and we kind of had a little bit more experience. Like we knew what we were doing. Um, and you know, that's, I think we really did it the right way. You know, like I've got buddies who put a lot of money into it in the beginning and it's, it's a lesson that they have to learn the hard way. Yeah. Um, here's an email for you from Terry. I'd like to buy some land and grow some food. Uh, can you actually borrow money on raw land? Yeah. Can you do that? Can you get money for raw land? You find the right bank, yes. But yeah. if there's not an income, if there's not an income plan, if there's no strategy, then I, I doubt they'll, I doubt they'll lend you any money. Uh huh. Yeah. If one had money and wanted to still borrow, and not use your own money, is that possible? Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Yeah. So so there's a model. Banks <laughs> love working with people that don't need them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So. I went through the 70s with the stagflation and Jimmy Carter in a sweater and whipping inflation with his button, whip inflation now. And interest rates went from, I don't know, up to 16, 17%, gold went all the way to 850 in 1980. Do you think, how will that affect your strategy of doing what you do? Before we go here, Daniel, if that happens again, which it could with the way the Fed is doing interest rates. Yeah. Well, the beautiful thing about real estate is that uh, it it's flexible with anything that happens in the market, right? Like even in 2008, that did that happened not because of the industry, but because of the stupidity of people, right? Like, let's just call it what it is. People got loans that shouldn't have gotten loans. Mm -hmm. Banks made promises that they couldn't deliver on. Rating agencies gave ratings to loans and, and, and tranches of debt and mortgages that actually didn't look into what was in them, right? The big was, short, the big short. No one was being responsible. Yeah. And by the way, no one, and I mean no one, including the people that got the mortgages, like the people who got the mortgages, it's like you couldn't afford to get the mortgage. Why'd you get the mortgage? Like, let's not pretend those people aren't responsible either. Yeah, right? Like I tell people all the time, it's like, look, if you buy something um, and you can't afford it, don't blame the bank for financing you. That's like blaming a snake for biting you. A snake's going to bite you. A dog's going to bark. It is in the nature of the bankers to overpromise to get your business. It's your responsibility as the consumer to make sure that you can actually handle what you're taking on. So let's not, all, let's not put all the blame on the big banks or whatever. It's 90% of their fault, 100%, yeah. right? But let's also blame the average American who took on responsibilities that, and they were, they were irresponsible. They were reckless too. Everybody was. Things like that don't happen unless it takes two to tango. Yes, sir. That's what my dad always says. Yeah. Right? Like whenever there's an argument, it takes two to tango. It could either be 99% to 1%, right? It could be 99% this person's fault and 1% that person's fault. But it always, always takes two to tango. Yeah. Right? So the beautiful thing about real estate is that if you know what you're doing, you can navigate and ride the wave with any market. 
right? So like, let's say that interest rates skyrocket. Well, guess what? If, if the cost of debt skyrockets, then the value of real estate will go down, right? Because it, it, it's based on supply and demand. Mm-hmm. If inflation goes up, guess what? So will real estate, right? In fact, real estate is the very first thing that tends to go up and down with inflation, you know, because it's one of the biggest expenses that American has, which is their housing. So for me, I don't, I don't necessarily, especially if you have a solid business plan, especially if you're putting everything in long-term fixed rate financing, like I just don't see how you can lose. Hmm. Long-term fixed rate. Important it's fixed rate, right? Yeah. And you have a strategy in place. Right. If you put up the right financing and you have a solid strategy in place and you pick a great market, like it's I've I've had buddies who bought buildings in two thousand seven, but they put in good financing, they chose a great market, and guess what? They thrived. They did amazing through two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and two thousand ten. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh Lucinda wants to know, does your guest think that Bitcoin is a good investment? Do you think it's long term sustainable? Many people believe that if it was ever a threat, a government will shut it down. <laughs> yeah, so I think I think I treat Bitcoin the same thing as gold. It's not a currency. Mm-hmm. Like as much as people want to argue with me on that, it's not a currency. It's a commodity. Commodity. Right? Like talk to me when you're able to use Bitcoin to buy, you know, just regular and I know people are saying, Well, you can do that in El Salvador, right? Well, it's like, well, we don't live in El Salvador. We live in the United States of America. And right now, as far as I'm concerned, you can't go down to Walmart and buy food with Bitcoin, mm-hmm. right? You can't do that right now. So until we get to that point, let's slow let's slow down on the currency talk. It's not a currency. It's a commodity, right? Um, and is it valuable? Is it great to invest in? I believe so. Do I think everybody should have some aspect of their portfolio in cryptocurrency? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. The people who bought it two years ago certainly seem to have enjoyed the benefits. Right. Like I've got buddies who literally cashed out a hundred million dollars because of their investment in Bitcoin like eight years ago. Really? Right. Wow. Like nine years ago. Yeah. So it's like you can't deny the feasibility of it. You can't deny the benefit of it. But at the same time, you know, it's it, I think it's a good thing to invest in. Right. But I, I'm also not an investment advisor. I'm also not. Sure. I understand. You know, investment advice here. In 2008, I interviewed a fellow, and uh, Bitcoin was a quarter, Daniel. It was 25 cents. Yeah. And he was all over it, man. He, this guy was really excited about it, telling me I should get some, I should get... And, of course, I thought he was crazy. I thought he was crazy. You think these kind of opportunities from a quarter to, I think, at one point it was 50000 or 100 ever come up? It was 60000 Was it 60000 Was it top? You oh. think that from a quarter to 60000 will ever come up again with something? Another kind of... Yeah. A, Probably it will. Yeah, yeah. It always does. It always does. Like, the, like yeah, the but two- it's like good luck trying to find it. Yeah, that's right. Right, because then right. you're gonna have to invest in a thousand different things, right? Yeah. To in order for you to get there. So, like, fun fact: I actually bought some Bitcoin in 2009. Did you? Uh, I did. I I bought a good chunk of it. I just don't know where it is. <laughs> I don't know how to find it. Oh, you still you don't have it. You you don't know where it is. Yeah, I, I have it. I own it. I just don't know where it is. I haven't bothered looking for it. I think I own like 13 or something like that. Wow. Well, I bought like, so I bought Bitcoin because there's a game I used to play. It was a Japanese game. Um, That's hilarious. And again, this is like 15 years ago, right? Sure. 15, 14 years ago. It was like a Japanese game and you had to buy Bitcoin to purchase things in the game. Oh, I see. Right. And so I bought, I bought a bunch of Bitcoin. I think it's like 13 or 14 or something like that. 
and uh i don't know what the value of it would be let's well let's actually do that i never actually did the math let's actually do the math on it what is it twenty thousand this morning is it 20 or 30 you got me thinking now so let's say i have let's say i have 13 okay times at one point it was sixty thousand. so that's uh oh yeah that, yeah there you go that's almost a million dollars yeah. 780 that's 780 grand well you probably bought it at a couple of dollars huh daniel in 2009 two dollars or I, when I bought it, I remembered it was thirty nine cents. Was it thirty nine cents? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, I, and again, I was just a kid at the time, so I think I paid. I, all I know is I, I like, I, I put five dollars worth. Yeah, that's you know, and I bought, I bought five dollars worth back then. That's all I know, I, I, you know. But again, I haven't really thought much about it. I haven't really looked into it. A, a friend of mine who's a real gold bug in two thousand. Nine, we we both invested a thousand dollars, and I said it'll be good. We'll just do it, and I put it in Mount Gox, and and we lost it. You know, <laughs> we, you know, we lost it. So that was my my that's my Bitcoin experience. You know, just blew up. Well, Daniel, you're an interesting fellow to talk to. Thank you so much for for being on the show. You can uh, join yeah, at the fun. The, yeah, the Quackbrothers dot com is your that's your, right. your website. Well, you know, have a good have a good day. And oh, by the way, I just want yeah. to give you a little plug. I seen where you're really interested in uh, in bringing more awareness to the whole child trafficking thing too. Good, yeah. good for you. Uh, yeah. yeah. What, what do you think about the success of that film? That was really something, wasn't it? Thank God. Yeah. I'm, I, I thank goodness for that film. And so my my wife and I were very deeply involved with that issue. Uh, we work with a couple organizations. Uh, I give to a couple organizations. Um, and we've watched. Uh, Operation Underground Railroad. We've watched their documentary series before Sound of Freedom. We've actually watched it years before Sound of Freedom, um, and I thought that film was fantastic. It was it was very good. Wasn't that great that they that the money that they made so far, and they're going to keep making more if it goes overseas. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm so glad. Thank yeah. goodness. He's a you cool. Know. And there's a lot of criticism about the film uh, just because they exaggerated a couple things, and you know they did, but ninety percent of it, like the core message of the film you can't deny is yeah. is true yeah like let's not pretend that stuff like that doesn't happen every single day because it does and let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater with these kind of things whenever i see that on social media i go come on you know it's and no there's nobody perfect you know there's no perfect thing it's always right. all right daniel you yeah. take care may the blessings be thank you thank you see ya take care of yourself daniel quack uh, originally from korea cool guy huh so you can tell that's why he's uh he's doing good too because he's got uh the spiritual, uh, the link up there, as you know, and um, that's where that's where the action is, right? When you get that going on, baby, it just all works. Cool guy, huh? So uh, we're gonna do a little break here, and um, um, and then come back, and we're gonna talk about um, some of the things that uh, humans do to uh, encourage their body to age, as advertised. It's from our series called It Takes a Long Time to Get Young, one of our specialties, and uh, we like talking about it and living it the best we can. And we're going to just take a break, and we're going to be back and do that oh, in about uh, five, ten minutes or so. So stay right there. Thank you. Thanks for your support. We didn't do any uh, commercials. Uh, I forgot to do any commercials of our products. Well, we have a lot of great products in our store, so that's cool. Go into our store, see if you like, and if you'd like to donate... Uh, to our website, you see the donation tab. So if you're watching on BitChute, look at the, the links underneath there. It's a link to our donation tab, to our store, and also to our website. 
And if you're watching on video, uh, check out our website. We have 15 years of uh, all kinds of terrific um, uh, shows. Um, people like Hula Clark and, and Eustace Mullins, who is the original uh, work of uh, The Creature from Jekyll Island that What's-His-Face got all his material from. And all kinds of people, Stephen Greer, you know, way back, uh, um, 10 or 12 years with Andrew Goss, maybe 12 years, the real world of money, and you'll get yourself a PhD in monetary history. And it's all there at no cost, so that might be an idea. Say, wow, that's all free. I can do the website and the videos and audios, and maybe I'll donate and send Patrick 20 bucks a month. Because I have a mortgage, too. I'll see you. Uh, see you in a few minutes. Uh, may, the, may the blessings be. We all have mortgages. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.